following is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Good morning, everybody. Hey, it is going to be a fabulous show this morning. Uh, our old ex-producer Joe came in and brought us uh, some donuts, so we're all jacked up in here. We got coffee, we got sugar, and oh my God, watch out, man. So we have, I think, what will prove to be a great show. For those of you who are investors who are interested in real estate, you know that I am a huge proponent of real estate, love real estate as an investment. And this is, ironically, we're going to be speaking with a gentleman named Tom Bregelman. And Tom is originally a Minnesota Minnesota boy from uh, up by Wisconsin, which is kind of shocking because I understand he's not lived here for about 10 years, and yet he still has a, uh, a St. Cloud prefix 320 on his cell phone. So we're going to be talking to him. He wrote a book, uh, Mastering Real Estate Investing with Private Money. And uh, that is something that is so intriguing. And so many people uh, are, you know, always looking to put together deals that are, we'll call them creative. And I have done shows on uh, hard money, but this is certainly a variation on that theme. Now, let me give you, give Tom a little introduction here. So, you know, a little bit about him, who he is. And uh, hopefully that'll lend some credibility to the things that he tells us on the show today. Tom is CEO of GCA Equity Partners and co-founder, senior manager of Kensington Fund, uh, which is, uh, which is, sorry, my laptop went here, which is accomplished. He's an accomplished entrepreneur, fund manager, private lending mentor, offering a wealth of experience and knowledge gained through, through 30 years. Hey, we have that in common. In real estate investing, commercial construction, land development, private lending. As a certified uh, fund manager, investment fund manager, and founder of GCA Family of Companies, Tom has earned a reputation as a well-respected and thought leader in his industry through careful investment analysis and strong focus on safety, as well as the development of their unique National Construction Lending Alliance program, GCA has shown a consistent track record delivering double-digit returns to their investors on short-term passive uh, real estate investments. Boy, that's everybody wants that, right? Uh, with Tom's leadership and through the development of the National Construction Lending Alliance Program, GCA participated in, a fu in funding more than $300 million in real estate transactions nationwide in the last three years. Tom is also founder and CEO of the Secured Real Estate Income Fund and a real estate fund manager company responsible for managing the $50 million uh, SREIS fund. As a native of central Minnesota, Tom previously served as co-owner and CEO of a private real estate investment company with a portfolio comprised of several hundred multifamily apartment units, residential and commercial complexes, and single-family homes. Hey, that's all of us here as we talk about uh, our our uh, investments that we do around here. So a uh, lot of experience in just about all facets, which is really great. And without going farther, uh, we'll cover some of the other stuff later on. Tom, are you listening to me? And if so, welcome to the show. 
I am, Todd. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, very good. Very good. So, you know, first question I have is, um, what what was it that attracted you to real estate? Is that is that something you were involved in right from the beginning? Were you a real estate agent? Did you study uh, investing? Or were you a financial guy in college? What's the story? Yeah, so I, I got started uh, back when I was in college. I started uh, with my first real estate property, but uh, I was uh, my degree is in landscape architecture, landscape design, and so. In Minnesota, I had uh, started my own uh, landscaping company, and uh, early on, I got into real estate because in the middle of winter, there's not a lot of landscaping that can be done, and so I kept my crews busy by doing some uh, renovation of single-family homes, and uh, I got to liken that, and I saw the value in it and the power of uh, leverage in real estate. So I sold my landscape company after about, oh, what, six, seven years and got into real estate full time. So that's how I that's how I made my entry into the real estate world. So when you say got into real estate full time, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean you became an agent, you bought and sold it? Or does that mean you immediately started buying and selling homes? Does that mean you, you were you did renovation and construction as an alternative to landscaping? What does that mean? Yeah, it was kind of a combination of those. What I did is I bought a, when I sold my landscape company, I bought a, a uh, real estate um, brokerage. And I, I had about a dozen agents working with me at the time. And during that, that period, I also did uh, some additional renovation projects and rental projects. And eventually uh, I sold that. Um, brokerage as well, and just continued on uh, with more investing. I did commercial, some commercial, some residential, you know, a combination of different things. Okay. So was it from the beginning, uh, was your was your strategy to acquire assets or, or was it and is it uh, making money in the transaction, meaning the movement of the transactions? Well, when I got started, I did a combination because what I could do is get, I got my foot in the door by way of uh, doing several renovations, being able to spin them, turn them, turn them around, sell them and keep, uh, you know, keep a couple here and there as I was going through some of the other, I was selling some, I was keeping some so that I could eventually build a portfolio. I like, I like the idea of the cash flow from the income properties, but I also like the idea of the, the sort of the quick, the quick turnaround of cash by, uh, by selling some of the properties. So I did a combination. Sure. So it's interesting because the reason I ask you that is because in real estate, we know that there are pockets of, of cash opportunities. One of them is if you can provide value, you can increase uh, value of the property that that gives you an opportunity mm-hmm. to to capture a chunk of money. Uh, if you are the contractor, there's a margin in there in the in the in the work as the general contractor. There's there's another pocket, and then of course in the real estate transaction where it's actually sold, there's real estate commissions, and that's another pocket of money. So, 
a lot of people who do this type of thing are conscious of each one of those pockets of money and whether or not they buy and hold or they keep a portion of it in the real estate and pull their money back out to have an equity position and then move on to the next. That's all all the strategy, right? And then, of course, you've got the tax issue as you as each one of those are an issue as, uh, as well, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, what we do is, I mean, what I like to call it is forced appreciation on a property where you get in, you can improve it, and you can create a, an, an added value in that in that uh, process. And so that, that's a way to get the quick-turn cash um, or, or, uh, profits from the deal. But then there's also, like you said, there's the, the rentals, there's the, the uh, brokerage fees, all of those things. So, yes, there's definitely a combination of those. Right. And those, so... So when when you talk about so we I I know exactly what you're talking about because we do this as well we walk properties and we look for opportunities in the form of value but this is about you so why don't you tell us what are the what are the obvious things that you often see when you when you purchase or go through a property where you see that you can provide value and 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 enhance the value quickly yeah so I I for myself I saw it progress from I started out with a small single family, very basic starter homes where I could go in, do uh, cosmetic upgrades, carpet, uh, paint, maybe a new bathroom, maybe a new kitchen, but really trying to keep it, uh, at least at the beginning, keeping it simple so that I could learn the process, learn what I was doing, and uh, really keep, uh, you know, keep, keep the deal safe and know that I could get out, have the profit. Eventually, as things progressed, as I got more experience, built my team, I was able to get into bigger projects. But for me, it was starting out with something small, uh, splash and dash is what some people call it, but, uh, uh, and then working my way up to where I could get into more maybe moderate uh, mid, mid-range homes, eventually into new construction, um, got into some commercial real estate. So it's been a a progression starting starting small and building from that. Well, certainly a mouthful in all of that with all the with all the different opportunities because folks for a lot of you listening out there what what Tom has just talked about is is the lower side of this and that's look that's where most people are going to start. And so there as 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 he called it uh what'd you say what'd you call it slapping what did you say what you call what was uh, 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 splash and dash. Splash and dash. So yeah. yeah. So this is the thing that's most available to most people, where they can walk in and for maybe ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, they can throw some money at it, put some carpet, some paint, do some cosmetic improvements, and readily improve its value, and then turn around and either sell it, guys, or 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 do those things, and then refinance it, pull the equity that you've just created out of it, and then move on to the next one. But when you get into multi-unit properties, it becomes a little more sophisticated, doesn't it? Absolutely, yes. And 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 over time, especially, one of the things that I've always promoted or I really try to promote is the fact of being able to team up with people that have already done it, team up with people who are experienced. And that's a good way to get into something to that next level, whether it's multi-units or new construction, if you're looking to expand and get into an area that you're not familiar with, I suggest always doing it with team members, with experienced 
um, people that have done it before so that so that all those lessons that that person has learned don't have to be learned by by yourself again the hard so, way <laughs> the hard exactly. way yes exactly. yeah and and those you know the, the interesting point that you make because this is this is about working with private money so i think this is this is very germane to the whole conversation if you're in that world of of turning properties quickly and trying to make a buck the reality is that on the low end when it when you it only takes 10 20,000 dollars to improve a property the problem with that with that is that there's too much competition there's too many people who are looking to do that exact same thing and because the cost of entry is so low you have individuals who will overbid on the property and quite literally ruin the business because it's too readily available to them. But when the when the turnover or the flip, as we'll call it, that dirty word flip, uh, when that when that requires fifty or a hundred thousand dollars and more, you lose the vast majority of people who would otherwise be competing with you. And now there's typically more margin in those properties because there's less people competing for those properties. Do you agree with that, Tom? I do agree with that. And uh, we've seen it over the last seven, eight years, how in uh, 2012-2013, there was a far less com- competition in that area of, uh, of fix and flip or whatever, uh, buy and renovate, however we want to say it. And um, But now, with the market having heated up so much over the years, it really is a competitive area. And it's one of those things where the the lower risk is in projects that have less moving parts. So if it's a uh, fix and flip that that doesn't need a lot of work, it's less risk. But the problem is if there are too many people competing, like you just said, the price gets gets uh, jacked up too high where there's just not enough margin to to really make it work out and so yeah just it, 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 when you get to the higher higher end homes or the the projects that need more work there is potentially more value there's also potentially a bit more risk because of the fact that it is more moving parts more to keep keep on top of Absolutely. The other the other thing that's that's interesting is that well so so just to summarize that point that we've just made here, the amateurs ruin the business. The amateur people who really don't know what they're doing and and to them making ten or twenty thousand dollars or maybe or thirty thousand is a big deal. What they don't realize is that they overbid on them and because they are amateurs, they 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 destroy the margin and then moreover because they're onesie twosie people the subcontractors that they will need aren't really that interested in working on them. The projects get delayed because those subcontractors have loyalty to other general contractors who do 30, 50 homes a year. And the cost of, of, of time that it takes to get it done when you don't have the loyalty of the subcontractors very easily can kill the deal and cause you to lose money pretty readily. So when you, that is so true. Yeah, so when I you, totally agree with you on that one. So when you get into when you get into the higher end, you lose some of those amateurs and that makes it actually a better proposition and in some cases creates safety that maybe you don't have at the lower levels, although it might seem the opposite, right? That's the reason I've been drawing this out, Tom. Yes, yes, definitely. And and again, if 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 you're looking to get to that next level where there where there is more potential margin, 
Absolutely, that that works. And to be able to do that with with team members who have already gone through the process. And, but you're 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 spot on. So, Tom's book, Mastering Real Estate Investing with Private Money. Uh, I find it interesting that one of the first chapters in your book is an abundance mindset for success because I, 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 I teach in my classes so often that people are limited by their perception of the world, which is so often influenced by their background and the, the people that they, that they hang around with and that they know. What does it mean in your book? What are you trying to describe in, in saying an abundance mindset for success? What does that mean, Tom? Well, it, it, it comes from the, from the point of view that there's plenty to go around. There's, uh, in real estate, in business in general, I've come to realize over the years of experience that I've had in the business that by being, by, by being willing to share in profits, by being willing to team up with other members who might be, uh, participants from an ownership perspective, we just, we end up creating a situation where the deal is where everybody's interests are aligned and by having the aligned interests, you end up having lower risk. And so bringing team members in, there's an, having the abundance mindset that there's plenty to go around for everyone and being able to leverage up and do more deals because there are more team members doing it. All around, I found that it becomes a a better, safer, uh, more profitable situation, and and better deals to have have that abundance mindset rather than rather than going to a project and feeling like you got to have everything and you got to you got to you can't share in the profits or you can't can't let any of it go and you're secretive and you don't show anybody you you're really closed minded about what what the possibilities are that other people can bring by being able to shift to that abundance mindset that there's plenty out there for everybody. It really makes a difference in how projects can get done with good solid teams to be more profitable. So in other words, not trying to hog up the deal all for yourself for fear that you won't find another one as good somewhere else. Your point is they're all over the place. There's plenty and having people involved kind of diversifies your risk and you can do lots of projects and make just as much money, if not more. Absolutely. And you can, there are so many different ways of structuring deals when you have enough team members and you have enough participation from other people that you really move yourself out of that space of fighting over a, a single property that might be out there that you really want. If you, if you open, open your mindset to being more collaborative, more, more of the abundance mindset where there's plenty out there for everybody and then bring team members in, you're going to open up so many more possibilities and opportunities because of the way you can structure those deals where everybody can come out a winner. Very good. Very good. So I want you to tell me, what does the the real estate investing spectrum mean to you? I think we've kind of entered into that conversation so far, but tell me, what does that actually mean to you? Okay, so... In, in real estate investing, there's there's the deal in the equation, there's the money in the equation, and then there's work or the facilitation of the deal that comes into play. The way I look at it on the far left side is the active investor, somebody who has probably has little money but a lot of time or enough time and a lot of energy 
On the far right-hand side of the spectrum is someone, maybe a busy professional, who has a good chunk of money but doesn't really have much time, doesn't have the interest in getting very all that active into deals. And all the way in between those, the far left and the far right, there is, uh, you can place yourself on that scale, even to the point of, in the middle, I would show it as the facilitator, who's facilitating the deal. So in some cases, it might be, uh, like for us, we, we, we run the funds, and so we're the facilitator between the passive investor and the active investor. And so generally what happens is people start on that active end, like I did 30 years ago when I had no money or little money and got started, or my son Brandon, who is just getting involved in real estate, Start on the active end and eventually work your way all the way through to the passive end. Um, very often, that's how people progress down that scale. Very good. So, really, what we're talking about is finding the investors, which is to say, raising money, and then also finding mm-hmm. deals. And in between there, you're the facilitator that brings the two together, and that's that's where where you're making your money, and that's there's the margin for that too. Let's take a break here. And we will be back with Tom Bergman. He is talking uh, this morning about real estate. And specifically, we are having him on because of the book that he wrote that is very intriguing. You want to pick this up if you can. The name of the book is Mastering Real Estate Investing with Private Money. I've read the book. It is outstanding. And you will get some really, really great information as to how you could go about doing this. Even if you don't have money yourself, the whole point is there's ways to do these deals regardless. And Tom's going to tell us more about that when we come back. We- Grant Waters Financial specializes in helping you retire comfortably. When it comes to seeking retirement guidance, you don't need a salesman. You need an ally. Great Waters Financial doesn't have a hidden agenda. Their professionals at Great Waters Financial focus on what matters, your financial peace. Start planning for your future now and make your money work for you. Great Waters Financial is the official financial planning service of Cover Your Assets. For more information, call 612-360-2127 or go to greatwatersfinancial.com. Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's full potential. At Home Rental Systems, we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums and will attain the highest monthly rent possible. Go to homerentalsystems.com or call now 612-701-4375. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. 
888-888-0639. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP Smart Side Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate. 877-SMA-TODAY or go online to sma2day.com. Hello, I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filings, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. So, Tom, you still with us? I certainly am. All right. So we have Tom Bergelman. Tom is uh, is uh, an author and a real estate a guru extraordinaire. <laughs> I didn't like that title, Tom. Uh, he <laughs> manages... Yeah, he manages a, a, an, a, an investment fund that, that uh, participates in real estate and has brought together a lot of investors along with a lot of deals. And that's specifically what we want to talk about. So raising money and finding deals. Tell us about that and how you went about doing that in the beginning. Uh, sure. So the way I got started was I had... Uh, a couple of projects that I really liked. This was back in the, uh, this would have been in the early 90s. And I had some projects that I liked and I had some people that I knew that had some money. They knew that I, they knew of me. They, um, you know, they understood uh, kind of how I operated through my landscape business and whatnot. And so I brought on a, a 
partner who had cash, who was a retired farmer, who was looking to invest in real estate. And so he put up the money. I did the work. And we basically did a profit-sharing structure where uh, he got most of the profits on the first few deals. And eventually we worked our way to where um, we, we built, you know, we, we put together a number of projects, got them done. And eventually I had more people that were looking to invest with me, alongside of me, in deals that I would facilitate and complete. So that was the way I got started was initially with private money. And so I suspect then as you as you did that, you very quickly figured out that if you have more investors, you can do more deals and bigger deals at that. Yes, definitely. And and what I what I really realized initially too was that even though it seemed like it was expensive money for me to be sharing in the profits or to, to give away most of the profits, what I really liked about it was that it gave me the opportunity to get to open the door to real estate investing in a way that I never otherwise would have been able to. And so, yeah, it was a great, great stepping stone for me to, to get into the business. So, so it was leverage for you and the, the other thing that's that's pertinent is that you had to demonstrate that you you could do these deals, you could bring them to completion successfully, and that there was money to be made, so that more people had a level of confidence in you doing that and investing in your endeavors. Is that accurate? Absolutely, yeah. It was a way for me to create a track record to build my reputation as someone who follows through with what he says he'll do, gets gets a project done. You know, in, in real estate investing, when there's renovation or in new construction, whatever it is, things are never going to go exactly as planned. But the more prepared you are and the more um, aligned you are with everybody on the team, the better the project is going to go, the more likely it's going to go safely. So, yeah, for me, it was a way to to build to that next level. It's interesting, Tom, and I, I, I tell people this often, and I, and I want to know if you have the same perspective, because it sounds like you do with private money. I will often say it's easier to get a $25 million deal than it is to get a $2 million deal, because the bank is more comfortable uh, doing the big deals, because the numbers either work or they don't. But to be able to do those deals... They're not looking at you as as a as a person or or an income that's going to make those payments. They want to have a comfort level with you and believe that you know how to properly vet these deals, you know how to manage them, and once they have that uh that belief in you, they begin to throw money at you and consequently the 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 big money becomes available to you, but you have to walk before you can run. Absolutely. And it, and it's in the, it's in building that track record, like you just said. So the bigger projects go based on the numbers of the projects, but they require to be able to prove that you've got a really good solid team. So starting out small on the small projects to build your reputation, to build your team, to really know that you have the ability to get to that next level. But once you do get to that next level, you're absolutely right. My experience has been it's easier to get the funding for the bigger deals than it is for the smaller deals. And at the end of the de- at the end of the day, it's not a lot of sales because the the numbers either work or they don't. So if a person either themselves or has good financial people who can understand the operations of the business and the cash flow, hey, it it, it just works. And that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that you have to become good at identifying. 
Absolutely, yes, that's very true. That's my experience. So when it when it comes to to raising the money and finding the deals, what we're really talking about is a partnership, which is a dangerous proposition. As undoubtedly, we, you and I have never talked about that, but I'm certain you know that, and that means that you've got to have properly structured partnerships and the the performance has to be defined very clearly so that the project doesn't go sideways as a result of the partnership blowing up. Absolutely. And and that is that's actually part of the due diligence process that we work with or that I talk about in the book where when 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 you're starting out and you're building that team and you're building that partnership, some of the discussions that, that you're going to be having between the partners, between the participants, it's important to see how those discussions go and to really watch for any red flags in in the way that people perceive the whether something is fair, whether it's a fair fair and equitable deal for everybody. You know, all of that is part of the due diligence process to to really know that that, that partnership that you're creating is going to be uh, a workable and a viable partnership so that so that you get along so that you do have that true alignment of interest but that's all part of a process mm-hmm. that if if you start it at the right level and you work with the right framework for and I talk about this a bit in the book where where you build the framework so that everybody is compensated for what they bring to the project and then from there the profit sharing piece is laid on top of it and so logically it all comes together from a very structured point of view as to why it's why it is built that why the structure is set up that way but then overlaid on that is whether the personalities of the participants here if you're working with a passive investor who's got money and you're the active investor or vice versa you really want to know that you've got that team uh that team mentality uh, where everybody can win, and that and that's something that you learn as you go, and it's that's why the smaller deals to put together the team, as you say, is really developing your team for the larger deals. Uh, one of the things that that I know from experience working with a lot of clients, Tom, is that partnerships, as I've already kind of said or alluded to, are all based on performance. And one of the biggest challenges you have with a partnership is that one person, as you've already described, is a passive investor who simply brings money to the deal, and another person who is actively participating in work. Well, the problem with that is that if the person who is doing the work, that's the performance that they bring to the table. I don't mean facilitating a deal. I don't mean overseeing the deal as in a general contractor. Mm -hmm. They come to the deal saying, I'm going to actually do the physical work of the job. I see that as often very problematic because if the individual is supposed to keep and maintain the properties and that's their performance, if that investor shows up on the property and they see that that is not being done and that partner who's supposed to be doing it isn't performing, they're stuck as opposed to the two partners coming together, neither one of them having that 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 job as a, a role and if they don't like the work that's being done, they can agree to fire it and move on, and it doesn't affect the partnership. I've found that to be so instrumental in eliminating a lot of the risk within partnerships. Yeah, and I would just add to that that one of the biggest, and this is something that I got to learn the hard way when I got on the lending side of the equation, which was about 10, 11 years ago, and that is that everybody must have skin in the deal or skin in the game, however you want to say it. They 
everybody needs to have a reason to stay on that project until the project is completed. So the passive investor obviously has skin in the game because they're putting most of the money in. But with what we do, with our, with our lending and our funding on deals, we always require that the active investor have at least 10 to 15% skin in the deal. Now, and I talk about this in the book too, you can, you can structure it in a way where it's not necessarily cash. It can be a collateral partner. It can be a cash partner. It can be, you can bring that piece to the table. So just a quick, quick um, example. If let's say that you are looking to do a deal, but you don't have much cash, you don't have that 10 to 15%. What if you called up your uncle or your friend who knows you, who trusts you, who sees that you do what you, that you perform and you ask that person if they're willing to put up their uh, rental property or whatever it is as collateral in the deal for your passive investor to feel comfortable. By doing that, you're leveraging as the active investor, you're leveraging that relationship that you've built over the years with that person that trusts you, whether it's your uncle or your friend or whoever it might be, they then can be a participant in the deal as well in exchange for having brought some of the skin to the game. So it's, it's leveraging in a number of different ways, but it's always, it always goes back to is it fair and equitable for everybody involved, and does everybody have a reason to stay on that project until it's finished? And all of these things that you're talking about create safer deals and really begin to bring you into uh, the, the, the pillars of, of traditional lending although you've got private money you're you're collateralizing the outs the, the 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 portion that you bring to the table as you say skin in the game and you're looking for percentages of, of collateral positioned outstanding loans and capacity to make payments and all the things that any bank would be looking at as a private investor correct that's right that's right and and you know i've i believe that there right now there's so much money out there that is looking for good investments that I like the, I like the model of private money and an act, the active and passive investor working together. And that's why, that's why in the book they talk about bringing those two parties together so they don't need any third party, not even bank. And so by bringing that, that team together, everybody can get what they want from the deal. So, yes, absolutely it is. It's about teamwork. It's about bringing it all together. Fantastic. We're going to take a break here, and we're going to come back. And what we're going to be asking, Tom, when we come back is specifically how these deals are structured, what he's looking for in terms of a capitalization rate, cash on cash, exactly how he measures cash on cash, his particular metric, if it includes uh, things like depreciation and uh, tax benefit. We're going to also talk about exactly what, as he describes, the investors brought in and the investor is is lending money. What does that look like in the form of a, of a structure and a, and a return if it's bridge financing and that type of thing? So, Tom, when we come back, that's what I want you to talk about. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Tom Bergman and his book discussing mastering real estate investing with private money. We will be right back. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. 
1-800-333-7111. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filings, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21. If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? Their attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years' experience in this highly specialized field, and it is my job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know, allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly, and most importantly, help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think, but don't waste time. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. That number again, 763-559-3800. Oh, I'm hearing the smooth jazz again, and that means it's time to call in. 651-646-8255, 651-646-8255, and the hosts will answer your call live on the air. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP SmartSide Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate, 877-SMA-TODAY, or go online to SMA2DAY.com. Hi, I'm Kimberly Naibo with the Kimberly Naibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnaibo.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. So, 
Our show today, Mastering Real Estate Investing with Private Money. Uh, Tom Bergelman is a uh, former Minnesotan. He is uh, now residing in California, I believe. Tom, is that right? California? That, that's correct. Partly part-time Puerto Rico, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and part-time California. Yet today we think. find you on the East Coast. Is that right? That's right. I'm at a workshop in Philadelphia today, actually. <laughs> All right. So so now we're going to talk about really structuring these deals and what are some of the things that you that you look for. Uh, let me let me put it to you this way, Tom. If I'm an investor and I have I have money, you know, maybe I've got my money in a in a mutual fund or an index fund and I'm not necessarily all that excited about the returns I'm receiving and I'm interested and willing to talk with you about taking some of that uh, money and and put placing it with you for real estate deals. Tell me exactly how would that conversation go? Well, first of all, we'd find out what it is that, as a passive investor, what it is that you're really looking for. Is it is it uh, something that would be? There are a number of ways to do it. One is to put money into individual deals. Another is to put money into a fund. All of the structure, near, I would say 95% of the deals that we do have a profit-sharing component to them. And so that profit-sharing gets passed on to the investor. But really, it's, it's understanding what it is that the investor is looking for. So if, if, it, if it's a busy professional that is looking to put money in, is it time that they're looking to save? Do they want to not have any any time spent on their investments, then a real estate fund is a good way to go. If they are looking to be somewhat participant from a more passive perspective still, then individual deals could be uh, an option. So, Is accredited, all, is accredited investor status going to play into the way that you, the way that you have that conversation? It will. It will. It's, uh, so there are two of the funds that we have are for accredited investors only. One of them is for non-accredited. But so, so it's going to be a bit in, in how the qualifications go from a SET perspective. But really, even backing up from that, it's more it, it's I think it's really important for investors to understand why it is that they are looking to invest in real estate. Uh, is it for the cash flow? Is it for uh, like uh, short-term pops where they can make uh, more money quickly? You know, there's a, a number of different ways to do it. What we do, nearly all of our projects are short-term in the six-month to 18-month turnaround period because they are construction or renovation projects. And so so the turnaround is fairly quick. But again, it's, it's what is the investor? When I have uh, consultation calls with our investors, it, it's about understanding really what their needs are first, and then we can build a solution around that. And, and for some of them, I suspect it's just the notion that they have a comfort level because it's something that they can more easily understand, and, and, and that's, that's the result is they have a comfort level, meaning real estate as opposed to a prospectus uh, with, a, with a diversified investment that they really don't know or understand. Yes, definitely. And and. Regardless of where one is investing, if it's in real estate, it's about understanding what is that, what is the party that is doing the work on it? What is their underwriting criteria? What is their way of keeping the deal safe? And so that's why even if, even if you plan on being a completely passive investor, 
it's well worth the time to understand the dynamics of a, a deal and the dynamics of keeping it safe and the whole concept of having the profit sharing structure so that it does create a clear alignment of interests and keep the deal safe. So even though it may be completely passive, I really recommend that people dig into it enough so that they understand how the deals are being done so they understand that they're being done in a safe and uh, uh, profitable way. So if, if, if we're talking about using private money, are we talking about the investor is essentially taking the role of the bank? Is that what we're talking about here? Yes. All right. Yes, so, so there, so there's going to be little, little or no financing, and the investor is taking that on. So, if that, if that happens, what is their return on that money? If it's, if it's, if it's uh, being loaned through a some type of a bridge financing where they're going to get an interest rate over a period of time, and then they get to participate in profits or whatever it is, explain to me what that looks like. Okay, so two things. One is if, if it's an investment in a fund, uh, like a real estate fund, like what we're doing or individual deals, you know, that it, it's very reasonable to think anywhere from 8 to 12% uh, returns. That being said, if, if deals are structured in a way where they, where they really are done in a collaborative approach, the way I, the way I teach in the book, there are ways to get substantially higher returns than that by not using a middleman. And, and the reason that is, is I go with the philosophy that every project should have a 50-50 split of the profits between the passive investor and the active investor. And the logic behind that is that all projects take a certain amount of work to get the project done. They take a certain amount of money. Everybody gets compensated for any work that is done on the project. And any cash that's put in gets an interest return on it. And from there, everything after that is split 50-50. Um, so, and we don't have enough time to get into a lot of detail on that, but it really, I truly believe that that is what makes the deal solid and safe and profitable for everybody involved is by creating that very clear structure, how everybody is brought together, and then uh, being able to, to share in the profits so that everybody has motivation to stay in it. Got it. And, and, and I can easily see that the monies that are in the investment fund are, ma- are very different in terms of, of the way that you have these conversations versus when you have individuals who are actually coming to a deal. But, but that is actually, regardless, is how they're being structured. So let's say I'm a guy who brings a million dollars to the deal. And I'm not doing it in an investment fund. I'm just giving you the money to make the deal happen. And I'm one of maybe, maybe, you know, three or four people who's putting together a 10, $20 million deal or, or what have you. Am I going to get a return? Am I going to get a guaranteed return on my money, say four, five, 7%? And then I'm going to participate once, once the deal is complete and it's sold or again, what does that look like? Yeah, just to be really clear, it wouldn't, uh, we would never be able to say, say guaranteed. We can say preferred, and that's, that's more or less in, in most of the investment business that uh, in the investment world, it is, it's a preferred return. So investors, if they come into a project, a bigger project like you just mentioned, as a matter of fact, we have a few of them going right now, the investor will typically get somewhere in the 4 to 8% preferred return. That means they get return before anybody else gets profits on the deal. But then after that, there is a profit share component 
where, you know, in some cases it, it, it can be another 8 or 10 or 12% after that because of the way the deals are structured. And so, so there are some really interesting ways on individual deals to get those higher returns uh, to structure them in a way because of that profit-sharing component. So. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what I was alluding to, Tom, is that it, there are there are in some instances bridge financing where there's actually a note that is produced, which is essentially a loan, and then through loaning it, they get a reasonable return and then get to participate. But that doesn't sound like that's something that you typically do. Well, it it, it actually is. It's it's the loan that the initial return that gets paid as a preferred return, which is the note itself got it okay we do we do what we call a shared appreciation mortgage and and that shared appreciation mortgage is what shares in the profits with that active investor so very it's structured good. into the equation very good so excellent and this is uh, this is all covered in your book and it is fabulous detailed information we've got to take another break here uh i i, I would love to have you tell me when you come back what you're typically looking for as a capitalization rate and a cash on cash, not necessarily for the investor, but what you look for to make, to allow all parties to succeed. So initially we say if the cap rate isn't this, we don't need to go any farther. And then once we do that, we have to determine the total internal cost, net operating expenses to determine what the real cash on cash return is going to be, which I suspect you do similar things. My question is, what's the initial cap rate that you're looking for to make these deals? happen. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Tom Bregelman. Tom is, t- is here talking about his book, Mastering Real Estate Investing with Private Money. Pick it up. You will not be sorry. We'll be right back. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. So, Tom, I posed the question before the break. What's a cap rate that you're looking for in an investment such as we're describing here? Tommy there? We didn't drop Tom, did we? Tom, still with us? (laughs) Yep, I'm here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, tell me. 
what is the cap rate you're looking for uh, in these investment projects? So because they are short term, they're, they're generally six months to 12 to 18 month turnaround. Initially, we don't do our calculation as much on the cap rate as we do on the overall uh, projected profits. Because are the these project. are these more construction projects, new 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 builds rather than buying existing properties? Yes, and and what we'll do, they'll they're either going to be uh, renovation projects where they can be upgraded, or they're going to be new construction, both of which are the forced appreciation model. Now, if we take it to the next level where we refinance that, that project that we've just helped complete and turn it into a long-term hold, then by all means, it is a cap rate measurement. I would just say for investors in general, if the deals are set up uh, the way we set them up, anywhere from 8% up to 20% is the range that investors have been able to to see, um, but it, it really depends. That, that, on and year. that's that's a return on investment, not a cap rate, right? That's a return on investment. That's correct. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's an annualized return. All yes. right. Well, listen, guys. I uh, we are we are at the top of the hour here. We have run out of time, as we always do, way too quickly. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and everybody, absolutely, my pleasure. Well, very good. And, and and listen, folks, you can pick up the book "Mastering Real Estate Investing with Private Money." And I'll tell you, two of the things that I found to be most valuable is the ten rules of the game for the active investor and ten rules of the game for the passive investor. Those are exceedingly valuable and important when you structure these deals. Meaning that if these, if your deal doesn't doesn't handle those those issues, then it's not a good deal. <laughs> so, and and I agree with everything said in that particular chapter. So Tom, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on thank the show. You, and I, I hope that everybody picks up your book and I would look forward to picking this conversation up again with you sometime down the road.